We had between 70 and 80 kids uh, every day this week in Bible school, plus all of our workers. And it was a houseful, and it was a lot of fun. And uh, we met a lot of new friends and families, and we're just so thankful for that. I want to give a shout-out to each of you and, and wish you a happy Father's Day today. Uh, I get to have my dad with us now, which is really kind of cool to get to do it in person and not have to do it uh, over the phone and long distance. And so happy Father's Day to all you guys. And uh, we're going to be talking today about a mom and a dad who, who stood up and displayed their faith, and that faith impacted their son and the difference that it made in, in their son's life, and then the difference that their son's life is still having upon our lives today. And so uh, fathers really do make a difference, and we're so thankful uh, for the fathers that God has given to us. We are in the middle of a study in the book of Hebrews, so if you've got your Bibles, I would encourage you to open up to follow along with us. We're in Hebrews chapter 11. If you don't have your Bible with you, uh, we'll have the scriptures and stuff that we talk about today on the screen so that you can kind of follow along and do that. Um, but I want to start in Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to begin today in verse 23. It's where we left off last week, and uh, we're going to meet a guy named Moses. But before we get to Moses, we're going to meet Moses' parents and the faith that they had. And so sometimes we jump right into this, and we just we skip over the parents, and we go straight to Moses. But man, there was two parents that, that God had given to Moses, and, uh, and these two exercised great faith. And then we're going to see that their faith bleeds over into Moses' life. They set an example for Moses and showed him what it, what it meant to be a faithful follower of God. So in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse 23, uh, we read this. We read that by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. Now it's easy to read that and say, oh, by faith Moses. Okay, we're talking about Moses' faith. No, we're not. Here we are, we're talking about Moses' parents' faith. Look at this. When Moses was born, he was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edicts. So let's stop for just a minute and talk about what was going on when Moses was born. Uh, if, if you remember, in fact, in Bible school this week, we talked about Joseph all week long. And, and how God used Joseph on the good days and the bad days. And we talked to the kids about this roller coaster ride that Joseph's life was. That Joseph started off as his father's favorite and things were going great. Then his brothers sold him off into slavery and things looked grim. He went to work in Potiphar's house and he made it to the top and he was the lead guy in the house and, and, and the lead servant and everything was looking good again. And then Potiphar's wife lied and accused him and he went to jail and stayed there. He interpreted some dreams and thought, man, life's getting better. I'm going to get out of here. And then he sat for another two years. And finally, Pharaoh had a dream and brought him out. And he interpreted Pharaoh's dream. And he went from being in jail to running the kingdom. Life was this roller coaster of ups and downs. And, and what we see is that Joseph stays there. He brings his family and his brothers and his father all back to Egypt. And now they're in Egypt and they're in slavery. And, and, and if you fast forward 400 years into this story, God is getting ready to set his children free in Egypt. But the Pharaoh is very insecure. And so the Pharaoh begins to look and go, man, these, these Israelites, they are growing. And, and these Hebrew people are growing. And, and their numbers are great. And if we don't do something to stop the growth of their group, then they will one day rise up and take over this kingdom. And so he issues an edict that every male child born to a Hebrew woman would be killed. He, he tells the, the midwives, first of all, look, when, 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 when a boy is born to these Hebrews, I want you to kill it right then. And the midwives refused. And he goes to the midwives and says, why aren't you killing the babies? And they say, well, man, these, these, these Hebrew women are a lot stronger than us Egyptian women. And, and by the time that, that we get there, the child's already born and doing good. 
And he says, all right, if that's the case, then when you see that child, you grab him and throw him in the Nile River and drown him. And that was the order. If a male child is born to a Hebrew slave, he was to be drowned in the Nile River. And yet Moses is born at that time. Parents well aware of the king's edict that that they were to, to kill their male child. And yet it says that they saw that the child was beautiful. You tell me a parent, besides my mom, (laughs) who when she had her firstborn male child thought, this is the most beautiful child. My mom says, she looked at me and said, that's mine? (laughs) This cone head and bruised face and everything from the forceps. And most parents would look at their child mom and say, this is a beautiful child. Moses' parents looked at their son and thought he was beautiful, not because of his appearance. Now watch this. You, you gotta, you gotta, sometimes you've got to go to other parts of the Scripture to understand what that means. Why? What parent doesn't think their child's beautiful? Go back to Acts chapter 7. Leave your finger here in Hebrews. Acts chapter 7. Let me show you something. Acts chapter 7, verse 20. At this time, Moses was born... And he was beautiful, what? In God's sight. Not just his parents' sight, but his parents had somehow heard from God that this child is going to be beautiful in God's sight. That this is a child that that God is going to use. Listen, this is a neat thing to think about. Moses was chosen by God before he had done anything good. He was chosen by God before he had even drawn his first breath. He's being told by his parents before he's born, don't throw your son in the Nile, I have plans for him. He's beautiful in my sight. So he wasn't just beautiful in his parents' sight, but he was beautiful in God's sight. And so go back to Hebrews chapter 11. So what these parents choose to do. Now we, we said faith is this. Faith is God reveals, we respond, and God rewards. Faith always begins with God. Faith is not you telling God what you want, but God telling you what he's about to do. So God tells Moses' parents, I've got plans for this son that I'm about to give you. And and so God reveals, they respond and say, you know what? The king has said to throw him in the Nile. We're not going to do that. That's our response. We're going to obey God rather than the king. We fear God more than we fear any earthly king. So God reveals. They respond. And you go, what was their reward? Their son lived. And not only did he live, but God made a way for their son to be raised in in the palace with the king of Egypt. To be raised with the finest of everything. In fact, God's reward even was was evident even before then because they they keep him for three months until they can't hide him anymore. And then the mom makes the basket and she she places him in the Nile River and kind of guides that basket over into the reed area where, where she knew that the Pharaoh's daughter would go and bathe. From time to time. And sure enough, Pharaoh's daughter goes down to the water. She hears the baby crying. She pulls the basket out and she decides to adopt Moses as her own. Parents were faithful. God had revealed. They had responded. And God is rewarding their obedience. But God wasn't done rewarding their obedience. God was going to use their son to save their nation. And to help deliver them from this this oppressor who was over them. And so God is is working even by faith in the lives of these parents. We don't even know their names. But they were Moses' parents. And they were faith-filled. And their faith in God impacts Moses' faith in God. 
So we start in verse 23, learning about the parents' faith. By verse 24 now, we are moving into Moses' faith. And, and this faith that was first displayed in his parents is now going to become manifested in his own life. And so what happens in verse 24 is, is that their faith begins to impact Moses' faith. And it says in verse 24, by faith Moses... When he was grown up, so now he's, he's, he's moved out of his mom's care into the care of the, um, of, of the, the daughter of Pharaoh, and, and they begin to raise him there in, in Pharaoh's palace. But he grows up, and God reveals to him his true identity, who he is, that he's not really the child of Pharaoh's daughter, but that he is an Israelite. He is a Hebrew child. And he begins to embrace his true identity. It's revealed, and here's his response. When he was grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. His true identity is revealed. It's made known to him. And that revelation demanded a response. And his response is this. I desire God's identity of my life. I desire to live out my God-given identity. I, I don't want to, to live out the identity that man gave to me. I want to live out the identity that God gave to me. And, and so what he does is he refuses to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Let me read the rest of this little passage. I'm going to come back and, and give you some bullet points here, okay? So when he was grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 25, he chose rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Four things real quick that, that Moses did and that Moses chose. Moses chose truth over titles. I, I want to live out my God-given identity, not the identity that man assigned to me. So truth over titles. I want to be called the son of God rather than the grandson of Pharaoh. Let's take truth over titles. The second thing is he chose pain over pleasure. He chose rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. How many times do we get that backwards? We choose the, the flesh and, and the pleasure and we forsake the, the identity that we have in Christ. He chose pain over pleasure. He chose rather to be mistreated than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. The third thing that he chose was reproach over riches. It says he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth, of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Moses didn't know about Jesus. He didn't, Jesus hadn't been born. Moses wasn't aware that, that Jesus was coming. Yes, Moses was. Look at Acts chapter 7, verse 37. We're going to look at that as well. In, in, in verse 37, we see that, that Moses makes reference to the coming of the Messiah. Acts seven thirty-seven. it says, This Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. What's he saying? Out of our people, God's going to raise up a Messiah. I'm going to be a, a, a deliverer that God's going to use to bring you out of Egypt, but there's coming another deliverer who's going to deliver you from your sin, who's going to deliver you from the penalty of, uh, of death. There is another deliverer coming. Moses didn't know his name, 
But no, Moses knew that God was going to send a deliverer similar to him. One who would come and one who would set his people free. Which is exactly what Jesus came to do. And so Moses is looking forward to this. And Moses is looking down the road at, at what he did. So Moses chose reproach. There was a reproach that went with being a Hebrew slave. And he chose that over the riches and the treasures of Egypt. You know why? He said belonging to Jesus is worth more than anything Egypt can offer me. What I have with God is worth more than anything I will ever have on this earth. So he chose reproach over riches. And then the fourth thing is that he chose a future over the present. He was looking to the reward. He was looking down the road. He was looking at what God was going to do and the things that God had in store for him down the road. He didn't just live for this moment, but he lived for eternity. Many of you are living with your eyes on eternity. You've already got your heart set there. You've already got your, your eyes there. You're, you're ready for Jesus to call your name. And you're ready to go see your Savior and your Lord. And you're ready to worship at his feet and, and to, to give to him all that is due. You're ready for that. You're already living for eternity. And so the stuff of this world happens and you go, you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm fine. Let God bring into my life what he may because you know what? I'm not living for this. I'm living for that. And Moses was able to do that. He was looking forward to the reward. So verse 27, by faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king. Have you heard that phrase before? What did his parents just do? They didn't fear the king's edict. What's Moses doing? He's not fearing the king's edict. Now, now this is interesting, and I've always kind of struggled with this, trying to, in, in my mind to get it straight. It says he, he left Egypt not being afraid of the anger of the king. But if you go back to Exodus, where, where Moses is leaving the presence of, uh, of, uh, of Egypt, where he's, he's leaving Egypt to go live on the backside of the desert... Remember that story? Moses looks out and he sees his people and he begins to, his heart is moved by God to intervene and to do something for the people. And, and he stands up and this Egyptian is beating the Hebrew slave and he kills the Egyptian and buries him in the sand. And then the next day he sees two uh, Hebrew people fighting and, and he goes to try to break up their fight. And one of them says, well, you're going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian. And, and in, in, in Exodus, it says that, that the king heard and wanted to kill Moses for what he had done. And Moses fled to the backside of the desert. So I'm going, how do I square this up? It says in Exodus that he fled because he was afraid. It says here in, in Hebrews that he left Egypt not being afraid. So is the Bible contradicting itself? Moses left Egypt twice. Once he was afraid when he ran from the king. When he came back for the people of God to set him free, it's, it's, it's the most amazing thing. He's standing before Pharaoh right before the 10th plague where the firstborn's going to die. And he's gone back to the presence of Pharaoh 10 times. Let my people go. And Pharaoh says, it ain't happening. Well, if you don't, this is going to happen. And it would happen. 
And Moses would go back and say, let my people go. God says, let them go. And nine times Pharaoh says, no, the tenth time Moses goes back to Pharaoh and says, listen, man, you got to let the people go. And Pharaoh says, Moses, if I see you again, you're a dead man. And Moses says, you'll not see me again. But he was not afraid. The second time he left Egypt with the people of God, Moses was bolder than ever. So what happened between that first exodus when he ran away and the second exodus when he stood firm, unafraid of the king? There was a whole lot of growth that had to take place. The first time Moses left, his faith was in himself. When Moses stood up the first time thinking that if, if I... Well, let me just go. Let's go to Acts chapter 7 real quick because this lays it all out. And it's really awesome the way that, that the Bible just complements each other and, and fills in the different gaps. So let's go to, to Acts chapter 7. And, and in this passage in Acts chapter 7, you're going to see what takes place in those 40 years that Moses is gone. Okay, so it starts off with the birth. As Mo- when Moses was born, he was beautiful in God's sight. He was brought up for three months in his father's house, and when he was exposed, in other words, when he, they, had the, they, they couldn't hide him any longer, okay? Pharaoh's daughter adopted him, brought him up as her own son. And Moses, listen, this is so cool. Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. He was mighty in his words and in his deeds. Now listen, remember when God shows up at the burning bush and calls Moses? What's one of the first things that God, Moses says? Uh, God, 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 I, I can't speak. What does Acts say? He was brought up in the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words, his speech, and in his deeds. He had great power. He had great words of persuasion. Moses was highly educated. He, he had everything this world had to offer him, okay, in Egypt. But look where Moses' faith was. When he was 40, God begins to move upon his heart. It came into his heart to go visit his brothers, to visit these Hebrew slaves. They were his brothers, the children of Israel. Seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man. By the way, you're going to see, if you read the whole story of Moses, here's something that God has done in Moses' heart from the very get-go. Moses was a defender of the oppressed. It was something God had started in his heart at a very young age. And, and, and we see it growing and, and, and welling up. And, and, and so God begins to move upon Moses' heart. God reveals to Moses who his brothers really are. It, it's not all the Pharaoh's household. It's these slaves that are being mistreated and are being abused. And he wants to go and be identified with them. He wants to go and, and help them. He wants to go and, 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 and deliver the oppressed. We see it a little bit later in his life, too. When Moses flees to the backside of the desert, he's sitting down beside a, a, a well. And the daughters of Jethro come out to water their sheep and their herds, their flocks. And just like every other day before, the shepherds come up and chase the women away and take all the water that they've drawn. You say, how do you know it happened again and again? Well, this is what happens in that story. Moses is there. These shepherds come up and they start pushing the women out of the way, trying to take the water. And Moses stands up and defends those women who were oppressed. They go back home. And they get home early that day. And their dad goes, why are you back so soon? Every other day it takes you late into the evenings to water. Why are you back so soon? That tells me that this happened day after day after day because the dad was shocked that they were home so early. How'd you get home so early? This man was there who chased those old stinking shepherds away. And we actually got to water our sheep and water our flocks our herds and it didn't we didn't have to do it twice daddy we just did it once today 
Moses is a defender of the oppressed. He did it back there in Egypt. He's doing it now in Midian as he's, as he's protecting these ladies who are trying to, to water their animals. And Moses is moved. He's got this compassionate heart. So he came to his own to visit his brothers. And seeing him wrong, he defended the oppressed man. And he avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that in doing this, listen, that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand. But they did not understand. You say, why didn't it work? God had opened his eyes. God was moving upon his heart to, to be a defender of the oppressed. Why not? Because look where Moses' faith was. Moses' faith was in himself. I've been brought up in the palace. I've been educated to the highest standards of Egypt. I am strong in word and I am strong in, in power. I can do this. And if I just go down there and I associate with my people and I rally them up and, and, I, and I defend them, then they're going to follow me and we're going to walk out of here. Moses' mind was, I can do this. That's great to have confidence. It is. There's nothing wrong with having confidence if your confidence is placed in the right object. Moses' confidence at this point in his life was in his own abilities. And he just knew that everybody would see it, everybody else would understand it. You go in confident, you go in strong, you're a great leader, and everybody's going to follow. But they didn't understand. And I would say neither did Moses at this point. So on the following day, he appears to them as they were quarreling. And he tries to reconcile them. And, and he says, men, are, are you your brothers? Why do you do wrong to each other? But the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside. He rejected Moses. And he said, who made you a ruler? And a judge over us. By the way, those same words were still echoing in Moses' mind 40 years later. Who do you think you are? Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? You're a nobody. You're a traitor. You've grown up in the palace. You've had this silver spoon in your mouth. Who do you think you are to try to associate with us? And those words just echoed again. It's like this huge echo chamber. Forty years later, on the backside of the desert, Moses is gathered around this burning bush that's on fire but it's not consumed. And, and the angel of God meets and the voice of God speaks. And the response? God, I can't. I've tried. Been there, done that, fell flat on my face, and nobody wanted to follow me. Sometimes things happen to us in our past. And guys, it, it, it embeds itself in our brain and becomes a part of our psyche. Somebody that we try to help, somebody that we try to love, somebody that we're in relationship with, they, they reject us, they discard us, they tell us a, a, a lie or they speak some kind of a, a hurtful thing to us, and that word replays again and again and again, and it takes root in our life and begins to grow and produce that fruit. Still there 40 years later in Moses' mind. Who are you? Who made you a ruler and a judge? But this is the man that God sent as both the ruler and the redeemer. By the hand, not of Moses, look at this, by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. There's a change taking place. 
It's not by Moses' strength anymore. It's by God's strength. This is a Moses. This is a man that led them out, performed wonders and signs in Egypt, again at the Red Sea, and in the wilderness for 40 years. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God's going to raise up for you a prophet like me. He's predicting that Jesus is going to come. This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with our fathers, and he received the living oracles given to us, the Ten Commandments. But our fathers refused to obey him. And our fathers thrust him aside. Now watch this. Back in Egypt, round one, they thrust him aside. And Moses runs to the back of the desert and lives for 40 years in obscurity. Fast forward and Moses' faith is now not in himself, but his faith is now in God. And the people that he's leading out of Egypt, that he's done all these miracles and wonders and signs for, he's, he helped them to cross the Red Sea. He's done everything that, that God's told him to do. And he's a great, powerful man, but, but, but not Moses, but God. The power is coming from God. And this time they thrust him aside, refused to obey him. And Moses stands firm and faithful. What's the difference? It's like two different people. What's the difference? The difference is the object of Moses' faith. Round one, Moses was confident in himself. Round two, Moses' confidence is completely in God. Go back and read all the excuses that Moses made when God called him. I can't. They won't. Nobody will listen. They're not going to follow me. They're not going to believe me. They're going to laugh and and they're going to reject me again. It's all about Moses. And God's response is just simple. Moses, I made you. I know you. I've called you. I will empower you. I will be with you. In fact, Moses, I'm going to do the work. I'm just going to do it through you. That's the difference. You can be sincere and you can have great faith, but if your faith is in the wrong object, you're going to fall flat on your face. But when our faith is, is in God, the God who reveals, the God who makes known his plans, and the God who says, this is what I'm about to do, then you and I can move forward in faith. And if the whole world rejects us, if the whole world thrusts us aside and turns away from God, we can still stand firm because we've heard from God and we know he is faithful to his word. So here's Moses. Round two in Egypt shows back up. God says, oh, by the way, you're going to go to Pharaoh. And he he is not going to budge until I move him. He's going to harden his heart. He's going to tell you no. And Moses goes back. And he tells Pharaoh, this is what God says. And Pharaoh laughs and says, if you're having time to think about those things, then you've got too much time on your hand. You're going to have to make your brick now without the straw, without the straw that I provide. You've got to go gather the straw and the brick. 
And right off the bat, the people get mad at Moses. You've made it worse, not better. What kind of a deliverer are you? More rejection. But instead of that rejection driving him to the backside of the desert again, he stands firm in his faith, convicted that God is going to do what God said he was going to do. I said to our kids this past week in Bible school that God prepares us on the good days to make it through the bad days. God grows us when things are going good so that God can sustain us when things go bad. In in Egypt, there was going to be seven years of plenty and they needed to gather all that they could because seven years of famine were about to come. Do you know God grows you on the good days? Right now, you may be in in a good place. And God's growing you and growing your faith in a good place. So that when you go through the valleys, and they will come, you can be sustained and you can make it through. He grows us in the good days and then he shows us his faithfulness in the tough days. Some of you, some of you right now are in a perfect place. And you go, this is awesome. I feel great. Everything's going good. Let God grow you. Because there may come a day where it gets tough. There may come a day where, 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 where life changes in a hurry. And it's in those moments that we have to draw upon the strength and the faith that God's given us on the good days to make it through the bad days. What, what gets scary is when people don't walk with God in the good days and then the bad days come and, and they don't know which way to turn. They don't know where to go. And all of a sudden their whole world's in, in this turmoil and they're like, God, why am I here? Why are you letting this happen to me? Whereas if they had grown in the good days, they could trust God in the tough days. So God grows us on the good days. And then he shows us on the bad days just how faithful and true and how much he can sustain us. Moses was a different man when he came back to Egypt. God grew him and sustained him and helped him. He was a different person. And God was able to use him. Guys, listen. Moses met with God face-to-face on the backside of the desert. Moses continued to meet with God face-to-face each step of that journey through the wilderness. Exodus chapter 33, verse 11. uh, It's one of my favorite verses in Scripture. It says this, The Lord used to speak to Moses face-to-face as a man speaks to his friend. God prepared Moses in the good days. So that he could sustain him in the tough days. God worked. God worked in a powerful way to to sustain him. Moses had those words of the Hebrews echo in his heart. And echo in his mind. For 40 years. And we're not unlike Moses, are we? There are some things that have been spoken to us years and years and years ago. And for some of you, it drove you into the wilderness. And that's where you call home right now. That rejection of a spouse. You're just not good enough, thin enough, sweet enough, nice enough, thoughtful enough. The words of a parent who says, you're just a screw-up. 
looking for a place to happen. It's those words of betrayal of a friend who said they would be there and then times got tough and they hightailed it. It's the words of a coach that criticized you and told you you would never amount to anything. A teacher who told you what it, you didn't have what it took to succeed. That you'd never amount to much. Our parents, our peers, our spouse... Our children who in anger speak words that hurt and echo again and again and again in our minds. For 40 years, those words echoed in Moses' mind. And then God showed up. And God said to Moses, Moses, come near. And as Moses drew near, God said to Moses, Moses, take off your shoes. Take off your shoes, for you are standing on holy ground. We've thought for years, what, what did that mean? Why did he take off his shoes? And some have said, well, that way he couldn't run off. He'd be barefoot and he couldn't run away. I think there's more. I think what God is saying to Moses is, Moses... There's a lot of your past that's stuck to your shoes. I want you to set that aside. And I want you to feel my presence below your feet. I want you to take off your shoes, Moses, so you can feel the sand. You can feel my presence. This ground is holy. You know why, Moses? Because I'm here. I want you to set aside everything everybody said about you in the past. And I want you to feel my presence. I want you to know what it's like with nothing between us. That's what the world said of you. That's not what I've said of you. You grew up thinking and being told that you were the daughter of Pharaoh. Now you found out that that's not true. You've been told by your own people that this is who you are and that you're not a leader and that they won't follow you. That's not true. Moses, I want you to take off your shoes and set aside the past and all the stuff that stuck to the bottom of your shoes. And I want you and me to stand together with nothing between us. Because it's only then and there that you're going to succeed. Some of you today need to take those voices that have been echoing in your mind for a long, long time. And you've got to set that stuff aside. Those words that an angry spouse spoke, or a parent, or a child, or a co-worker, or a peer... And today, what you've got to choose is which voice am I going to listen to? Am I going to listen to the voice of God or the voice of man? Am I going to let them define me or am I going to let God define me? Who's going to get to shape my thoughts and, and direct my future? And that's a choice that we've all got to make. Life is not perfect. And there will always be those out there that Satan puts in our ear saying things to us that are destructive. And if we're not careful, those will be the things that take root in our lives and, 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 and starve and drown out and choke out our faith. But when God met Moses and Moses set aside that past, then he was able to hear from God. 
God was able to do a work in him and then a work through him. And life didn't get easier. And the people didn't get better. But Moses could stand and he could make it through. He could endure because he chose to listen to what God had to say about him and not what man had to say about him. So I want to ask you this morning, would you take off your shoes, set aside the past, and listen instead to what God says about you? That he created you. That he has shaped you. He has called you. He has gifted you. He has something for you to accomplish in this world. There's a reason why you are still breathing this morning. Would you listen to God instead of listening to man? And would you trust God enough to say, you know what, Lord? If you go with me, then I will go. But I'm not going to do this in my own strength again. I'm going to lean upon you every step of the way. And I trust that come hell or high water, you're going to sustain me. And you're going to work for my good. Because that's the kind of God that you are. Would you pray with me right now? And as we bow our heads before the Lord. Maybe right now, spiritually speaking, you just need to take off your shoes. That echo chamber needs to be silenced by the Holy Spirit. Because the only voice that you need to hear right now is the voice of God. And without that voice, you won't make it. Without that voice, you will turn away and try to find within yourself everything that's needed. And it's just not there. This moment is is holy ground. This moment is a moment where everything can change in your life. But for that to happen, you've got to take off your shoes. Set aside every failure, every mistake, everything that you've done, everything that someone else has said. And you need to come and say to God, I need to hear from you. The only thing that matters, God, is what you say at this moment.